Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. Many aspects of our daily existence are impacted by small and big businesses, and conversations around sustainability and customer-centered engagements have become more prevalent in the past years. Artists engage with existential questions of our human existence and can challenge many of our common business practices. How can an artistic lens or the sensibilities that an artist uses in their daily practice improve the way businesses are run and how they communicate? Through interviews with entrepreneurs, artists, and professionals, the show investigates how our communities can be transformed by actively engaging an artistic lens in our professional settings. I am Sebastian Grube, an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hi, dear listeners. Thank you so much for joining this episode of The Arts in Business. Today, I'm with Omar Shukri, who is an active, who is active as a learning and development expert, a media producer and leadership coach. I met Omar while he was while I was pursuing my undergraduate degree at NYU Abu Dhabi and he was always just a joy and pleasure to be around with filled with lots of positivity and giving that to to the people he was with. Um, Omar completed an MFA in interdisciplinary media media education and a postgraduate degree in expressive arts therapy which I'm super excited to get into a little bit today as well. And he has taught extensively, produced music, directed films, he has coached leaders and currently he works uh, and teaches at the Bildungswerk der Bayerischen Wirtschaft. So for the non-German speakers among the listeners, in short, BBW. Omar, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you for joining. Likewise, the honor is mine. Thank you so much. For being awesome. Here. So let's get started. The first question I always ask before we get into the meat of the episode and diving in is, what did you bring as your vessel and beverage of choice? Oh, wow. A vessel of the beverage of choice at, well, 12.30 p.m. is still a coffee. Uh, a very, I could say, a lazy coffee, which is like enriched. It's more like a cacao with a shot of espresso. Nice. Because I like the cacao and the good uh, warm drinks in the cold season. <laughs> Same, yeah. I brought a, a blue mug with some earth tones, which is always kind of keeps me grounded, um, yeah. with coffee and milk. So it's too... 40 here uh, where I am. So it's a good afternoon drink, a nice pick me up. <laughs> of course. Perfect. perfect. All right. So when I say artistic sensibilities, what does that mean to you? Artistic sensibilities where from which point of view do you observe that from the philosophical point of view, from the creator's point of view? I mean, just a very heavy question to start with because you can philosophize a lot about it. So artistic sensibilities for me means my sense of being... Aren't we an artist all day? As an artist, you are an artist 24-7, perhaps. I don't mm. want to call myself an artist. Every human being can be an artist. So that's it. And I think I have the sensibility when I realize maybe perhaps at some point, oh, this is now 
venturing out of the normal sphere of doing and it goes into the practical or artistic sphere, then, then I have a sensibility that, of course, I want to, whatever I'm creating right now, I want to create it very perfect, perhaps. Mm. I don't know if that answers the question. I just, like, said what it means to me. Like, everybody is an artist, I could say. And we all, maybe being sensitive to what that really means, what that entails, what that brings along with it in your creative uh, work every day to be yeah. aware of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe to dig a little bit into that, if you if you were to philosophize a little bit, um, mm -hmm. because you, you have engaged in artistic practices and, and um, I would say have been an artist, maybe. I don't know if you would define yourself as one at certain points in your life. People say so. <laughs> yeah. People say so. Yeah. I would say, I would say, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I have been, I've been on stage, multiple stages, multiple times. Same as you, of course. And you know, you get that wind of like being on that um, carousel of artistry, which is beautiful, of course, and colorful. And then at times, I'm thinking, actually, I'm not doing, from my point of view, I'm not doing anything. So I'm just doing what came into my, what came into my mind. And just created or produced or did that little piece and oh cool that i can call it art and then mm. it can be exhibited mm. but it comes from an from a from a different space but yeah yeah i can yeah. say it. i i love though what you said about um everyone can be an artist and i share that sentiment and i think a lot of people um that i speak to think think the same yet when you say artist to other people who are not necessarily as involved in the arts, it mm. seems like such a big term. It seems like such a big identity to have or to hold and could be scary. And because when you say, well, you could be an artist, people say, no, I, I can't. I don't have this. I don't do this. I don't do that. Um, so the reason why, why I'm asking about artistic sensibilities is kind of to take that label of the artist away and just focus on what are what are things that we're learning as we engage with artistic practices. So as you engage with music production, um, with film directing, all of the other practices that you've engaged in, mm -hmm. if you were to try to distill maybe one or two key learnings of things that of moments where you've you've in in your non artistic life, let's call it that um, for now moments where you've realized oh this reminds me of of I've, i got this I, I i learned this as i was engaging in, in this artistic practice or i didn't realize i can use the same skill in this mm. context mm. um there is a very funny scenario for example or like actually when i engaged when i started to engage in the adult world and then like in kind of like leadership and coaching and and, and i found the power of Lego. Hmm. Coincidentally, I found I was playing with Lego up until I was 16. I was always in my own world. And it's like always and arts is for me nothing else. Again, than putting all these different puzzle pieces together to every time create a different paint, a different picture, or a different tone or a different sense of music. Hmm. So when I was finding that in a workshop, I was I was surprised and I was finding, hey, it's actually the same thing I used to do and hey how beautiful is it to use that in a corporate environment or in a, in, a, in a leadership workshop or in a coaching kind of 
skills where we talk about very inherent values and, and, and like really things which where people have their own kind of like beliefs and try to overcome these beliefs to open up their minds and change their mindsets and you do it with something as playful as arts that's where expressive arts come in and i see how powerful the arts can be in um in in, in basically changing these kind of thinkings or these kind of mindsets um so when i was in my past um Basically, an artist is always doing, or what I found myself, I do the same thing, the same method, the same process over and over again, but I'm changing the modality. So I'm changing, so once it's audio, it can be visual, it can be paint, it can be even sand and mud, it can be, but you're always telling a story, no matter what you do, you're always telling a story, whatever story is in your mind. And, and, and then it became to, oh, now we're interfacing with other human beings. And now it's interesting when you interface with other human beings to still create that or to still find that in the other and bring it to the surface. Mm -hmm. And that's a different kind of level, but it is still somehow the same because, and that should be the last thing I say, we learned when we start thinking with our logical minds, we forgot our child, the inner child, we forgot them long time ago because we're thinking now very analytical and critical. And that's, of course, very important in the modern way world. But you have to let that little boy or little girl come out every now and then. I love that you bring up the inner child. That exactly when you were talking about Lego, I was like, yes, that's that's the <laughs> when you engage with these things, you're like you're like a little a little child again. And it's so beautiful and playful to <laughs> fall back into that mode. But it's um interesting how that's kind of being driven out of us as we engage in the corporate world uh, tell me a little bit more about the process um in that corporate world or in that once you engage with human beings how does that change or what are the nuances of that um it changes is that you the most important factor is when i used to do that 15 years ago or like when I started out, well, you can't talk to the bank managers in the same way that you speak to a person who is, who's really interested about artistry and more about the creative process. And the bank manager will say he wants to see his dates, sheets and facts and figures and, and spreadsheets and all of that. So that was a big challenge at the beginning. How can I communicate with that kind of target audience? In a sense, I have to learn the lingo and to learn the lingo is to be basically able to speak terminology, project management terms, agility, to speak in all the world and then to somehow creatively and, and, and I think education is the most creative actually from all creators because you have to somehow make a bridge, create a bridge between how can you reach a person from from his inside how can you not penetrate his mind but how can you shift his mindset actually for a specific topic you are interested in but in his own world he has to shift it he's not like i open the door you go inside it would be very beautiful if it would be that simple but it's not 
<laughs> and um, and and that was the first thing. So I was I was basically starting out and I have my degrees and say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Unfortunately, um, no, the people are like here coming from a different mindset, from a different kind of like um, learning culture as well. And most of it facts and figures. And you know how it is like statistics, perhaps uh, to break the ice, then put some vulnerability in. I'm not talking from high above. We're all on the same group. I, I'm looking actually forward very, very much from all of you guys and also from you here, Sebastian, from everyone to learn, to prosper my own kind of like learning curve. Like they say, this is like the new, and as you know, lifelong learning. And then from that point, when I have sensibilized their kind of like minds and like we entered, we talk about a very hard topic like belief systems for example what is your value what's your value what's your philosophy at work what's your aim at this work for the next 10 years like really these and of course they mostly want to venture out in a in a, in a in a kind of very analytical mindset and nobody wants to share especially if the boss is sitting on the same table of course i don't want to be vulnerable and tell my boss oh no but then to create the bridge and do it in a very creative environment let's build a tower your tower with these nine Lego pieces, here you go. And everybody will have a different tower. It doesn't matter, but it's your tower. And there is no better tower. There is no worse tower. Every tower is beautiful as it is. And from that, you create that bridge to the other kind of like hidden topics, perhaps. Um, and to learn that is every day a new adventure, is every day a new learning for me, is every time a new learning, knowing your target audiences. And it's always very challenging. It can be challenging, but it can be equally super rewarding and very satisfying. When you have at the end of the day, people saying, hey, that's amazing. I never learned something like that with this kind of vehicle of the art or of the creative. And um, yeah. Yeah. Before I before I ask a follow up question, maybe just to distill, because there's so much in there, what you just said that I want to draw out, which is the this idea of traversing different realities almost or different worlds that you have to you have to use your empathetic muscle maybe or your empathy you have to you have to use your logic but also your feelings in order to in order to understand someone who who has a different frame of reference for how they see the world or how they see engaging with other people and i love that you mentioned that the having to engage them in their world in order to open that door um for them to then eventually let you in so you can kind of change their mindset a little bit from within um, but also this idea of vulnerability you have to um, I think as as artists or someone who engages in artistic practices that being vulnerable is is taught to us as we engage with our practices because often mm -hmm. we're supposed to draw from somewhere either personal or something that we're observing and it goes through us um, and and there's a our individual coloring is added to a topic um, or a question perhaps um, and then getting to the core like and then having the ability to get to their values and belief systems and challenge them and ask them um, I love that I just wanted to distill those three things out of that that, that you said for the listeners as well um, you. you spoke about physicality and using Legos and building uh, towers in, in one of the other episodes that that uh, that will be released after yours um we we're talking we also talked about well 
and and I will ask you this question, but but what can corporations do to engage more of a, more of an artistic mindset or artistic sensibilities to to enable them to exist in their organizations? And um, and he said, I don't know if arts workshops or um, like an acting workshop is the answer. Uh, and so I kind of want to turn that question to you. Maybe at this point is what are what are the tools that you're using are you using very overtly um overt types of we are going to lay on the ground roll on the floor as theater people love to do um are we gonna voice do weird different sound vocal exercises if you're a singer um how wh what do you do i think um I'm approaching it a little bit. I wish I could do that. <laughs> and I did that. <laughs> Berlin, you can do that for sure. Like there are some, 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 some groups where you can have the freedom to do that. And I was also having, I was trying actually to do that in a group with like ex telecom managers and like, like really people who have who come from, who have a big responsibility and all of that. And at the beginning, they were looking very skeptical and some even like said, no, thank you very much. Uh, not another one of these kind of like esoteric uh, exercises. And and I turned the well, that was that was a very like unsatisfactory experience as well. And we have to go through these because from these we learn, OK, cool, I'm going to approach it a different way next time. So um, what I did instead as a tool was I started with an exercise which is called like awareness, the awareness exercise, which is very simple, which is basically I'm talking about the Vakok canal, the visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory and gustatory channels, like our five senses at the end of the day. And I'm saying we all have them, right? And I want you now to be aware of which one gets activated if I say a specific word. And I want you to make a simple cross on your piece of paper. I'm going to say 20 words. Make a simple cross which ones gets activated. And that's how I get them. Okay, sounds like something I can do without any artistry. And I started to say the different words. And then we figured out, aha, okay, so there are different types of people here. Some types are like... Um, very visual sometimes are like very auditory and and i used to do this exercise now every time i have a target audience to find out what kind of learning types i have so what kind of modality would be appropriate for them right and um so when i did that they became okay they get sensitized a little bit to the topic i could do a little bit of a breathing exercise let's take a one two three step breath let's enjoy the calmness and let's do something a little bit more advanced but where i always get them nowadays coming back to your question is how to do that elevator pitch in that fast-paced world we're living in now imagine you have 90 seconds you're going on that elevator the ceo of your company and you're by coincidence with him alone for these next 90 seconds where the elevator goes up right and what would you do you're all very presenters and, and decision makers. I'm sure you can do it. Please indulge us. And once they start doing it, there is a lot of like things. Some people even vibrate in their voices and some people even feel some people are very sovereign. Yeah. But then how did it feel? Was that really you or was it the version of you you wanted to be? What is the real you? Was it really natural? I ask in the round. And then this nonverbal communication resurfaces. And that's my topic. Let's talk about nonverbal. 
nonverbal things you hear, see, taste, smell, nonverbal about what, what, what other things happen in your mind, etc., etc. And that's perhaps one of the topics where through, because everybody needs it nowadays. Yeah, it's not the same presenting in front of YouTube, presenting right now in a virtual meeting. Everybody needs to do that. In, in the business world of today, with Zoom, with Teams, with all of these virtual things, it's not going to be possible in the boardroom again. And that's why people are a little bit more like, okay, how can I do it? So we need some camera acting, yeah? Let's do some yeah. camera <laughs> acting. Okay, I've never thought about it. Yeah, it's important because you're going to be photographed. And it's important to train your voice a little bit because it's going to be different. And the learning curve is different. And the information I give in, in, in a 20-minute lecture via zoom is different than in real face-to-face -face training right oh yeah yeah that's right yeah so pedagogical didactical kind of like interfacing a little bit of this world but then a very playful way to do that and that's usually the the kind of like uh, where you can get the attention of everyone right yeah thank um, you for sharing that yeah you you started at the beginning you said um something that the the acting or the more esoteric stuff is something you can do in berlin but maybe not in other places so i'll, I'll use that as a as a lead into you've you've lived in many different countries and different cultures and you've practiced uh there tell our listeners maybe a little bit about where you have been and then so they have a frame of reference but then also talk about uh are there differences that you've observed in your work between different cultures between um, people who are more open to receiving and engaging with these types of artistic sensibilities, ones that are more closed off. I'd love to hear a little bit more from your experience about that. Beautiful question, of course. And as you know, you being a world traveler yourself, I mean, of course, there's like pff, tremendous difference even within the country. Yeah. So yeah. I have been, um, yes, I have been, uh, I've been, I had the privilege to be, um, studying in the US as well because I have extended family there. I was living in New York. I studied also in, in Los Angeles, lived there for two and a half years. Um, here in Berlin, I must also say, I was like, after I finished high school, I went to ProSieben at Eins, like a national TV station. That's where I had my internships and my first footing into media. And uh, I went to Berlin, the open, beautiful city of Berlin. Back 20 years ago, it was a bit also different. I was different, of course, and it was like, a, I think, a bit blurry party period as well. <laughs> nevertheless, um, nevertheless, no, I mean, in terms of like studies, I was thinking, what should I study? And I think, oh, computer sciences, IT sounds like very future proof. I think I should do that. And I did it for one semester at hum Humboldt University. And I said, thank you very much. Never, ever again. Give me one more variable. And I'm like, I was good in math, but that was only variable galore is not my world. But that's good. And I think that's how I approach all my life. I went then to say, but I'm still focused on media. I love the media, but I don't love the media, how it's being portrayed here. I need to have a scope, Fernweh, as they say in German. Like, I always longed for distance, for like going away and and all of that. And when you're younger, you do that. So I, then I went to London and spent there a couple of years there, had the, also the, the, the benefit of like knowing languages expelled me to go to Dubai. And that's when I started in Dubai to uh, be at the Middlesex University to teach there. And I was never dreaming to becoming a teacher. I was thinking, no, I'm, I'm rather a DJ or an artist back then. 
And, um, but, but then somehow my mom is a teacher. Somehow I found these inherent skills somehow resurfacing and, and I say, okay, I can actually do that very well. You just do it with music. You just do it with arts, right? So you explain things and that's how things propelled in a different way. You get to train with the BBC Academy. You go to do corporate training and leave the university sphere. And eventually I landed then at NYUID. NYUAD where I met you as well and where I had the privilege of course to teach not only very fortunate students and, and students who are like very top of their like um, how can I say of their marks from wherever they come from this diverse range of people from all cultures that was a super beautiful experience but then also I had the experience to teach maybe the um students who are just regular employees who are like just like janitors for example and that was a beautiful experience either and that's a complete different set there's very receiving a lot of things receiving 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 and aeroculture is just different whether in the us in the uk or in the uae things are easier apologized in a culture like that than for example here in germany and this is when i found back again is like this kind of in some way, it's either right or wrong. And if it's wrong, everybody's pointing the finger. And if it's right, it's like, yeah, it should be right. Usually, we don't need to say uh, congratulations, it's right. It's like, it's a given that it has to be right. Mm -hmm. And aeroculture is something here people slowly learn to embed in their working cultures because um, we are now living in a time where you can't plan everything than you used to a couple of years back and in the, here in germany as you know the golden master plan everything has to be towards the golden master plan and everything is planned to perfection but nowadays we're living in a world which where nothing is to be planned you have to be flexible adaptable etc etc and i think this is what i learned them from the other cultures and bring that into here and say hey we're not perfect beings anyways you know we can try and we aim and we aim for that and that's beautiful but nevertheless there will be some mistakes but then we learn to iterate and innovate next phase next software updates and next whatever it's going to be like always a progress and live with that progress live with the surprise and uh, that's been one of the um, of the challenges here and people understand that of course they know that they they see that they um but but the fortunate thing coming back again to the cultures was different target audiences, young, old, children from different walks of life and from different countries. And that was an immense learning curve in terms of like um, you can really see someone and at the end it comes also communication, your language skills, your empathy, as you were saying, and the way you see someone. Of course, everybody has this inner judge. Oh, I think this and that person might be from that and that culture. And I think my and my gut feeling, I go towards my gut feeling and it never lets me down. There is something called rational. Of course, we can also rationalize. And then I see and if I see I'm a little bit wrong, then I'm somehow this inner compass steers me towards the right way. And this kind of skill develops in years and years and years of interfacing with people and, and, and etc. And, and, and I think, and it's a blessing and it's really a present to be able to have been seeing the world from that perspective and being engaged in that. So yeah. 
Mm. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Um, to turn it a little bit, yeah. what do you do now to keep honing your artistic sensibilities or what do you do for your artistic practice now? That's a very good question, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interestingly, um, as I told you before, we had this interview. I'm fortunate to have now um, offspring. That offspring takes most of my artist, usual artistic <laughs> time. So, um, and that's something very beautiful, but that's also very beautiful in like, hey, I rediscover the inner child through my own child. So it's like, hey, that's beautiful. It's like, okay, I got to play with Leo again without feeling bad about it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I don't it? think we should ever have to feel bad about playing <laughs> no, with Lego. No, it's not, no, of course not. Or I can play some music and sometimes it's not, it's just play, record it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Don't arrange it, don't remix it, don't think about it, just record it. And it's a piece, it's a piece, and it's a one-time piece done at this time as, an, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a diary, for example, for that day or whatever. And that has changed. So I don't get to focus and sit down. I'm arranging a piece or I'm filming a sort of film or a script. But in my, in my non-play time, like basically in the time of my profession, I was very fortunate and to take that hobby or to take that into my profession. So basically for the Federal Ministry of, of Education and Research, there's this project I'm working in where I have to basically advise small like um, small and mid-sized businesses and decision makers into how they could use or utilize the vehicle of audiovisual media to transport their message, right? So for example, whether it's like, hey, let me simply explain a, a machine of some sort, or let me have a CEO interview with like a statement to, to my employees, but record it in a, in a good way. And there is still a lot of people are interested in that course. It's for free. And that's what I'm doing most of the time. So I curate that whole learner's experience and that learner journey. I put in some examples and I activate the employees and they're mostly like a wide variety of people between 30 and even like 60. And they're like all, uh, some of them know it. And then it's just like, don't be afraid of your camera. You all have a photo studio in your pocket. Every one of you has the best thing what we could all dream of 30 years ago. And why don't you utilize it to record something? But no, my voice is not good. And then we come again, this inner judge. Oh, my voice and my hmm, and I'm not so hmm, I'm not so well. well. Then don't show yourself. Just record your voice. And I can tell you something. And and we and I do the same thing. So I got the creativity accompanying me in my work um, environment as well. And and then of course uh, at the end of the day so that's very enriching at the end of the day you do whatever you want to do but these times to really do and compose a song coming back to your question really uh, are very minimal <laughs> yeah but you uh, you said something of, of now you're just you record a piece of music and that's it you leave it you don't arrange it you don't mix it that's just mm, it is mm. there and i think that's something that artists have to learn eventually at some point the this the art of letting go um and just continuing to practice as something that i'm same i mean i'm in a similar position of of i've i'm building my company now i'm doing this podcast i'm i'm writing articles and i've i don't have as much time anymore singing every day um and 
So what I started to do is, okay, no, I'm just going to subscribe to this voice course. So I have exercises that I can do every day or every once in a while. Um, and that just has to be enough at this moment. Um, I don't want to be a professional artist or anything. And in that sense, yes, then I would have to practice. I would have to rehearse songs. But at this stage, I'd, I had to learn to let go of the idea of I need to rehearse and practice two hours a day or an hour a day and work towards perfecting a song um, to say, no, if I do 10 minutes of vocal exercises, that's more than enough. And that's fine. That's I don't need to prove it to, to anyone else. Your words are golden, absolutely. I don't yeah. need to prove to anything to anyone else. I mean, you are aware of your skill set, you grow. And I'm happy with if I have the if I have the I still have all the equipment here collecting dust sometimes, <laughs> but but I enjoy it to every now and then switch it on and say, hey, now is the time for me and you again. And it brings me back to these other spheres and these other mind worlds of the past, perhaps, or like, or things like that. And that's also enough, even if I'm, if I'm just playing and there is no rush uh, in doing that. Because one thing is very important and more and more important by the day, time. Time is the new gold. That's that's mm -hmm. more important now, the, the asset of time, to utilize your time in a more uh, sensible or, or really in something uh, reasonable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what is reasonable nowadays? It's like, am I going to empty myself or going to like consume media? Or I rather, I was always like, I never have a TV. I don't want to watch TV. I worked in media. <laughs> I, rather, I don't even want to see the, 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 the computer. Like, 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 it's just like you enjoy yourself. You enjoy your own physical well-being. Utilize the time. And if you do really arts with your hands, with your voice, with your organs, it's still more powerful to let you feel good after that than just like um, tapping on the keyboard and like like that's why I'm saying like it's nice to have a beautiful digital studio but now I'm going away and say I rather I bought myself guitars I didn't play the guitar you know me back in the day mm, yeah. I was like the electronic sounds and the synthesizer and that's all beautiful it's really cool but I realized also through my work at NYUID I realized hey you know what real art it is to play with your voice to play an instrument the piano to play to try to play the guitar even a couple of chords and to really sing and to come along with songs and it has a complete different feel not to say that this is not art and the other one is art they're all arts of course but but for me it opened up another dimension in creation and um, i enjoy yeah. the physical aspect of it very much yeah. i want to i want to have i want to <clears throat> give the listener um, an idea of what you do with bbw so if you can <clears throat> tell us what you do with them um, but also previous to when we were chatting, you were saying that you're actively advocating for the arts in very systematic and sometimes rigid environments. So mm -hmm. I also kind of want to know more about that. If you can explain what those environments are and what shape your advocacy takes, though, I think you've already touched on that throughout the last couple of um, minutes, but maybe just focusing specifically on that point would be great. Okay, focusing BBW, BBW, my, my, my role there is obviously L&D management. So I'm, as I said, curating courses and programming courses on a learning management system uh, where I also like embed audiovisual media, whether these are videos or web-based trainings, etc., for our target audience mm. from, from the ministry or like from all these companies all, um, all across Germany. 
And I executed training by training these, these courses and then optimizing these courses. Unfortunately, it sounds, it is a lot of fun. It is fun. But what's not so fun is like another Excel sheet and another kind of like, like that's always not the fun. But it, it's part of the job, of course, that you have to also be very critically and like there is a lot of like paperwork in that process embedded. Yeah. And that's the maybe not so artistic way. I'm rather like, and uh, of course, we all don't like meetings where you sit two or three hours in those meetings. And then uh, what was that meeting actually about? At the end, we could have like solved that in very quickly. A lot of redundant time. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's part of an ever growing and ever kind of like um, um, changing environment. And, and, and like, because there are so many stakeholders involved, we are like the Bayerische Bildungswerk. So we have the Baden-Württemberg, we have our colleagues in in all the different states of Germany mm. and we're all working on that same course. So there are of course different, many cooks who are creating that big pot. Mm. And as you know, many cooks, it will take a lot of time until we all come to a compromise. That's maybe the challenge there. And sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm taking the approach and this is what I did at BBW. Hey, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to try it something. I'm just out of my gut experiment and try out something and it worked very well and then it got into the rollout and say mm -hmm. see sometimes you just have to try i don't want to talk a lot of <laughs> thing, mm -hmm. that's the thing that's 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 kind of like um the approach here this was bbw and in terms of like your other question let our listeners know um what was it again you were saying? yeah what are the systematic and, and rigid environments that, that um, systematic you're and rigid environment yeah, yeah is basically pretty much if you're talking to a lot of like here in Germany, Beamtentum, as you would call mm -hmm. it in Germany, as I think people who are like employed by the federal state and all kinds of facets, whether these are like employees of like different ministries or um, different entities. So I had the privilege to coach people in integration. So these people, asylum seekers, refugees, but also uh, long-term unemployed people. And the system wants a specific way to, of course, they want them to put them in, the, in a job. Well, and now my approach, because I come from the inside, and that's my challenge, is like maybe you want to put them in the job, but maybe they don't want their job. Maybe they want to have a different job. What do they want, actually? Let's investigate that. And then there is never time to investigate. Well, we don't have the time to investigate that. What is this? He has to fill out this questionnaire. He has to fill out that form. And here it says this is this. And he has to take that job. Well, and then, systematically speaking, he might do the job one, two, three months. Then he becomes falls out and then becomes unemployed again. Is that really a good solution? What, what about like working on the root cause or on, on, on really like something where I can really help a human being myself as well with every process i learn and grow of course that i can encourage him to follow what he always wanted to do perhaps he's not a good car mechanic but he always was interested in it then let him do an it thing yeah but his grades weren't good then maybe he should study i'm sure he will thrive and this is sometimes the kind of like systematic thing we try to put people in different boxes human beings have been programmed to do that all the time and it's part of our natural survival instinct i'm sure it's 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 important i'm not i'm not saying but then on the other side you can't do that you can't foresee things like that you i can like have an idea 
But people change. People can change dramatically. What can happen 10 years ago doesn't mean I don't want to have this determined for the rest of his or her life, the trajectory of her, um, she's going to be unhappy or he's going to be unhappy. Unfortunately, I see that with a lot of people who become depressed and after a while, yeah, I was like long-term unemployed. Um, I had the privilege, for example, I tell you a case study which went very dear to my heart with a Nazi, ex-Nazi. He was an ex-Nazi. I'm sitting with him in Berlin in the office. I have to coach him. And uh, he told me about, yeah, back in the 90s, we used to beat up um, people with a different ra uh, racial color, with a different color, for example. We used to hang out in these environments. We used to do this and that. And so them, you like arts, right? Because art sees no color. Right. Music sees no color. Music is a universal thing. What kind of music do you like? I like this and that music. Okay, let's listen to that. Okay, cool. And like through different kind of like methods, I tried to, and the end he was like very, very, very appreciative. Yeah, I want to do something new. Yes, yes, yes. He got so, and nowadays he's working as a normal employee in a store and he's happy to have done that. Because he only dropped out after sixth grade with all what he did and he wasn't able to find a job. And these kind of things are like really life experiences where I think the arts can help us because that brings children together, adults, people of different races, nationalities who can speak each other's language. The arts bring them together. But we have to interject both sides again and, mm. and, and, and to find the right balance to walk that path, not only completely with the arts, uh, that would be very cool as well, but it wouldn't be um, target oriented and not only clinical analytical on that trajectory either. That wouldn't be operation um, patient tot, as they say in German, right? The operation <laughs> is happy, but the patient is still there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I hope I could answer the obstacles. So, so the obstacles are systematic. Hmm. And it's been always a systematic thing with whether the school system, I don't want to belong to these people complaining, but there are, and there is now ways, how can we change that? Because what you learn in school nowadays, I don't know what they learn in schools. You learned computers third grade, congratulations. I learned English from fifth grade. Now they learn English from first grade. So there is still a progression, but... I think because the world needs to go together, we need to have a different systematic, completely new approach. And these kind of old ways or traditional ways don't work um, so efficiently to make really world-class citizens, I guess. Yeah. And maybe that is exactly where the arts can come in and help with that iteration and reiteration and the letting go of what is precious and just trying it again and again and again and being in a corporate environment, as you would say, agile and lean and trying to adapt to the times. And yeah, but I think that if you're, if you're engaged in the arts or have some kind of connection to it, you have, you, you have to learn those kinds of sensibilities or skills to just say, okay, we're letting go of this. We'll try something else or this didn't work. Um, we'll do it again. Or like you said, if you're talking too much, we'll just we just have to do something. So let's just do it, take action, and then see where that goes. Um, yeah. 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 And exactly what you said, this has been in the IT world, for example, as you know, this has been a scrum method. This has been like basically there since more than 20 years. It's nothing new. Change management is nothing yeah. new. But uh, the bigger the machine is, the bigger the company <laughs> is, the bigger the campus, the whatever is, 
and the more decision and the more hierarchies you have and the slower the change to innovate can also be. But then I look at a company like, for example, Apple or for, I'm just using, yeah. that's why we look at IT because they are the most, those people are sitting in a cubicle programming 12 hours a day and they need the arts the most and they love it. I mean, they came to Switzerland, Google themselves to just get those ideas. How do you creatively expressive arts use that in their onboarding, for example? How can we use that? And of course, very fortunate to see something like that. And of course, you would wish, is that adaptable for all the other industries as well? Because more and more we're using digital tools, perhaps it is. And that's why other industries look at it but still they are like, ah, we are a traditional company here in Germany. Maybe we do 20% of our work like that now, like Bosch mm -hmm. or Siemens or like VW has a small little agile unit, 20% work, like, but, but let's not roll it out too big because the problem doesn't lie in, or, or the challenge doesn't lie, let's not, not say the problem. The challenge doesn't lie in those tools. Everybody can learn those tools. It's rather the mindset or the decision makers coming back to the systemic who are like 60 plus were like, I'm not going to learn anything now. Yeah. You are not going to change. This has been always working for us the last 40 years. So why now? I don't want to like this new software, this new system. Whatever. That is where the challenge lies. Yeah. Most cases. yeah. But again, I think that is bringing us back to the beginning of this episode, which is really just about different realities and different languages that that people use in the different industries because arguably I would say that in the arts, the arts have, have been doing what the tech world is doing for forever. I mean, um, from an industrial perspective, a Broadway play, they put it on within six weeks. The actors have to rehearse, the director has to do their thing and what they do is iterate, reiterate, reiterate until it yeah. is at a place where where it is presentable to an audience. Um, and that has happened for, for years on end, even if someone putting on a play, it, they just rehearse, 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 rehearse. And it's Absolutely. just different language and different um, reality. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been, um, we're living in an age exactly a reiteration version two, version three, version four, version five, whether it's our iPhones or our softwares or anything exactly. But it's not like the car has been like that and it's been defined. Well, the mechanics, perhaps we cannot change the law of physics, right? That has been defined, but what we can do with it can be always altered through new technologies and through through different things. And the arts has been doing that. It's like the remix, right? I mean, when mm. we look at mm -hmm. whether music or film, and nowadays I find myself like, are there any good movies? I mean, isn't it a remix of that idea which was there 30 years ago? So yeah, the car is, doesn't need to be reinvented, but it's a remix of like, let's put the dashboard in, let's put, but it's still the thing with the four wheels and halas, you know, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it is, exactly, yeah. Um, sadly, we're coming up on time, so I, I want to ask you the, the very last question, um, which is just, what are your upcoming milestones that you're looking forward to and what intentions are you setting for them? Um, upcoming milestones, well, uh, well, very proud question. I haven't answered that myself. Upcoming milestone is definitely to um, perhaps again, like I shifted careers. So that's a big milestone. I'm in the process yet because from becoming one to the other and I'm very much enjoying that. And I think uh, an up, really upcoming milestone would be to one day have your own kind of class course 
mini campus of some sort, perhaps for people who are not, and I sound very visionary, who don't have the means to study it in an academic way, perhaps. And, and that would be great to get the, yeah, it's a great challenge to make, explain it to me as if, if I would be a 10 year old child, right? You know that? Yeah. That would be one of the things to create that course, maybe perhaps in like, in other areas of life, not necessarily in only technology, but maybe open up the hearts and minds for like human being, human spheres, the artistic creative aspects of it. That would be already a great thing to do. And, and the way how to do it, using modern tools at the same time and, 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 and investigating that. That's really cool with AI and, and, and VR and all of that. Although I must say, <laughs> I'm I'm biting the the, the 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 snake bite its tail now again, because I see amazing technology VR and and, and and so, but I can tell you also on the other side one thing I was wearing that helmet for an hour and then I got like the most crazy headache and I tried it a couple of times, and it didn't work for me but it's a great tool once you are in this world, so I think once technology is really solid on that front and you don't get cancer or whatever, <laughs> then, then that might be really an interesting vehicle to converse, to meet, to really be in that sci-fi world. And I'm looking forward to that change for sure. But, but right now it has to be human-human interaction, especially in a time where we are like dislocated and COVID and, and, and all of that. That's more important now, human-human interaction with all yeah. kinds of, yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you so much for joining me today and the listeners for this episode. Where can people learn more about you? Uh, right now, I just have my simple website from back in the day. It's still there, Omar, omarshukri.com, uh, LinkedIn profile. And I would be very happy to, of course, ask, give workshops, exchange ideas, anything like that. That would be amazing, of course, and to stay in contact. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Thank for you listeners. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Omar. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Arts in Business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you.